You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Venerable. All about your Arizona Cardinals. officially live with our revenge of the birds podcast live stream cards camp open mailbag i of course am johnny venerable of revenge of the this is a live open mailbag for you the revenge of the birds community cardinal fandom to come in ask ask questions live on the live stream get your questions answered in real time and have it be a part of the revenge of the birds podcast of course located via SB Nation's RevengeOfTheBirds.com. I'm excited to dive into a bunch of questions that I've been getting throughout my mentions on Twitter, direct messaging. So when you're ready, fire away with any and all questions that you've been thinking about. Maybe you've had an opportunity to attend Cards Camp recently. Maybe you had an opportunity to attend the Red and White scrimmage practice over the weekend. I was there, great turnout at State Farm Stadium. And now we have an opportunity preview the upcoming Dallas Cowboy preseason game what are you looking for what players are exciting you on the Cardinals what players are disappointing you so far throughout the duration of camp Uh, and I think really if we talk about disappointments right now I think it has to go along the defensive line the Cardinals coming into this offseason especially after the addition of J.J. Watt you thought about the defensive line as maybe one of the most improved units on the team course they drafted two developmental tackles last year in Lecky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence respectively. Jordan Phillips who was banged up was coming back. Zach Allen hopefully in a year three pop year coming out of that 2019 class and then of course the big ticket addition with J.J. Watt and you fast forward to now and they're resorting to signing, signing kind of street free agents along the defensive line because they really Two things. They haven't prioritized high-level talent in the draft, especially on the defensive line. And then also, the guys that they are counting on, they're just not having a consistent injury history of, of being available. J.J. Watt's got an injury history. Jordan Phillips, an injury history. And so now you're looking at a position unit that you're counting on Corey Peters coming off the street, rehabbing a lower leg injury in the offseason, you're counting on a couple fourth-round defensive tackles making their mark, who, by the way, Rashad Lawrence is currently hurt. So I think that right now, a lot of the concern amongst the fan base is we were taught touting this defensive line and subsequently this front seven unit of the Cardinals, and right now it doesn't look anything like what we saw over the course of you know the offseason projections. I just want to make sure here that comments are enabled, please. Uh, go ahead come up with your uh, questions for the live stream again this is going to be incorporated here on the revenge of the birds podcast uh and we've got our first question of the day just wondering how Jandler jones has looked so far in camp haven't heard much of him i've had an opportunity to see him in camp numerous times he looks fantastic looks like he's in best shape that we've seen him really since you know his all pro elite level year in 2019 where he had an opportunity to break the sack record. Of course, was hurt last year, but it wasn't a lower body injury, so he could keep himself in good shape, work on his upper body strength. I mean, he he's one of the most physically gifted players on the entire Cardinal roster. He comes walking off the bus or the, the airplane, if you will, the private jet. He is an imposing figure. He's 6'5", but he's got length. 
He can bend the corner. He's got power moves on the outside. I, I think he's going to have a fantastic year and, and you know get close to where he was before, and that'll be good enough for the Cardinals. Now, whether or not the team opts to bring him back or if he's open to a contract extension, that's neither here nor there. But I think the best compliment I can give Chandler is everything that you're hearing kind of ex- externally with the media and his situation with the front office is not letting that affect how he goes about his business and the kind of demeanor he has with his teammates. He's beloved. You know, he and Marcus Golden alike are glue guys for that front seven, and that's so critical, especially number one, while J.J. Watt's on the shelf, and number two, you're implementing two young inside linebackers to the starting lineup. So, uh, Blake, the Chandler Jones is going to have a big year, assuming he can stay healthy. Question number two. I feel like the national media is underestimating how good the cards can be. What do you think? I think that the Cardinals had their chance last year to be kind of the media darlings and carry that baton into the season. And so far, through the first eight or nine weeks of the season, they were that team. If you can remember, most people assumed that the LA Rams would take a step back. I think people thought that Seattle, maybe their run had had, had come to an end. It had run its course right. They were hot on the Niners because the Niners had just gone to the Super Bowl. But most people thought the Cardinals were going to pop last year. And what ended up happening was they were exposed especially in the latter two weeks of the season when they got beat by backup quarterbacks on primetime games. you got to remember in week 16 last year, that game at uh, State Farm Stadium against the Niner team that had nothing to play for, that was on Amazon Prime. So everybody saw that game. The holiday game, I believe, that didn't do well for their media, you know, darlingness, if you will. And then, of course, in week 17, losing to a backup quarterback at L.A. with a playoff spot on the line, Uh, I think people just assume that, you know what, no matter who they add, I just can't take this administration and most importantly, Cliff Kingsbury seriously. And, you know, it's it's very predictable what's going on with Trey Lance. He looks great. And so a lot of people are running with that narrative. You know, Seattle, they made up with Russell Wilson. They added some key pieces on the offensive line with Gabe Jackson. People think, you know, rightfully so, Seattle's going to have a ticket to the postseason. And then everything that's gone on with the Rams and the, Ram, the fact that the Rams, quote-unquote, overachieved last year, and now they're bringing in an upgraded quarterback. I mean, I think most people would have the Cardinals as a, post, as a postseason contender, a playoff team, if they didn't play in the NFC West. I'm consistent with that message. Listen, Vegas has got them at about 7.5, 8 for their over-under for the year. I've got them slightly above that. 8 or 9 wins, I think, is appropriate. 9 wins probably get them in. But, I mean, they've never beaten Sean McVay. They have gone... Three and see if I can do my math right in my head. Three and something like nine in the division for the past two years, right? So until that changes, you know, respectfully, you know, they shouldn't be taken seriously. And Cliff, until Cliff can prove to us that he's a big time head coach, then I think most people are just going to assume they're an afterthought. Talented, but an afterthought. Great question. Next up, Albert Delgado J3 asks Is Rondell Moore going to become the next DK Metcalf? in terms of being a beast and production-wise. Well, they're certainly different from a physical stature. What I would say is Rondell Moore, to me, has an opportunity to pop like no skill player for the Cardinals since David Johnson taken in round three. I think that the Cardinals have really been doing a disservice in the draft, They've specifically from a wide receiver standpoint. I mean, we really can't name an impact receiver they've drafted and developed really since I mean, going back to Steve Breston in the fifth round, they thought that was early Doucette. No, they thought that was Andre Roberts. No, no to Michael Floyd, right, in 2012. They've tried. And then, goodness, most recently, Kirk, 
still remains to be seen entering a contract year and of course the disaster that was the Andy Isabella pick in the second round I think Rondell Moore is going to end that dry spell now what does that look like I don't think he's your prototypical 1200 1300 yard receiver although he could be I think you're going to get closer to seven eight nine hundred yards receiving some incorporation in the rushing game in the run game I should say in the return game he's going to be special as well all purpose he's going to be a phenom um, but in terms of being the next DK Metcalf, for that to happen, there, there would have to be a team in front of them that would have passed on Rondell Moore, specifically in the division. I don't think that's the case, given where the Cardinals were drafting. I was a little bit concerned when we were going through the process of the second round. I, I was a big Terrence Marshall fan, and then I had gotten some intel that they had keyed in on Rondell Moore, and I, I just didn't understand why they were going with yet another undersized player when I think Kyler needs some big physical targets to be able to target, especially in the red zone. But they did add A.J. Green, and by all accounts, I mean, Rondell's going to be a phenomenal player for them. All right, next up, Andrew asks, are you annoyed by Cliff constantly saying that everything is a minor thing? I think that, listen, he doesn't have to give any information right now to the media. He won't until the season begins. I think this kind of coincides with what we've seen from Cliff since he began his tenure as the Cardinal head coach. He doesn't like to give a lot up, but I think where that can run thin is with the fact that he's not consistently winning. If he was winning and he kept it to himself, kind of like Belichick, everybody would just dismiss it. Nobody would care, right? They would trust the head coach. I just, I don't think people trust Cliff. And I think in conjunction with that, we've seen injuries early in the preseason, early in the regular season, that he is kind of downplayed. And then we haven't seen said player the rest of the year. Marcus Gilbert comes to mind. Jordan Phillips last year comes to mind. And we were also kind of conditioned with Bruce Arians. We get blunt, unapologetic press conferences where guys are going to be out X amount of days or weeks or months. And it's the straight answer from from Arians himself because Arians really didn't have anything to hide. Only on occasion would he quote unquote lie good to the media. Um, But I think a lot of people perceive Cliff as acting smarter than he is. I think there's probably somewhere to meet in the middle. Right now, it's, it's neither here nor there. Everybody is trying to get ready for week one at Tennessee in roughly 33 days from now, and that's, that's all that matters. So I don't, I don't need to see J.J. Watt. Of course, I would like to see him at practice. You know, I, I wrote an article today for RevengeOfTheBirds.com. I wouldn't play Kyler Murray at all in the preseason. I would play the fringe guys, the guys that are fighting for jobs, the guys that are fighting up the depth chart, throw them out there for two or three quarters, let them get after it. But, you know, Hopkins... Buda Baker, don't put these guys out there in a position they could get hurt. And now, especially with the injuries that you have sustained, you want to try to go into week one against a good Tennessee team as, as you know, fully intact as possible. Lawyer Brendan asks, ESPN's FPI is the Cardinals as the 21st best team. What are your thoughts on this? I think that's pretty skewed. Uh, I'm sure they have the Niners. The, the Niners are a darling at FPI up there pretty high. Um, now, I am very... I try to be objective when it comes to, to the Cardinals. They're my team. I, I'm a fan, but I'm not a fanboy. And so, you know, hopefully through my content like this and on RevengeOfTheBirds.com, you can tell that I'm taking a holistic view of, of all the positions on the team, outlining where they're having success and where they've got great players and where they're, they have areas of weakness. But that's ridiculous. The Cardinals have, objectively speaking, at least a top 16 roster in the NFL. It shouldn't matter who's in their division. If we're looking objectively at each team and saying 
this is a good player, this is a good unit, so on and so forth. Now, does the FPI take into an account coaching? Because if it does, then you're definitely grading on a curve and they would downgrade the Cardinals. But, I mean, sure, there are areas on, on this team that a lot of people externally that don't cover the team will diminish, specifically like the cornerback group, who I think will be better than last year. But people who don't follow the team and just look at the departure of Patrick Peterson will say, no, you know, they've lost too many key guys. They've got a bunch of journeymen and Byron Murphy in that, you know, back seven. I don't think they're going to be very good. We're going to disagree on that because I watched the team, you watched the team, and we saw what Patrick Peterson had to offer the last couple of years. And then also in conjunction with that, I think to speaking to FPI, I mean, the Cardinals don't have a plus defensive line right now. They, ha- they don't really know what they have in Zach Allen because he can't stay healthy. They don't know what Jordan Phillips and J.J. Watt can do together because they're not healthy right now. So I don't know if that factors factors into it, but they're, I mean, they're objectively a top 16 team. They've had Kyler Murray in a rookie contract. Kyler Murray is a franchise quarterback. They've had him paying him no money for three years, and they've been able to build up assets surrounding him with a competitive team. You're not 21st after that. Which player, Math LeBron, that's a great name. Math LeBron asks, which player has impressed you the most during camp or more during camp? So you mean most. Um, I'll go a couple. I'll cheat here and go a couple. Defensively, it is Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons, to me, looks every bit the part of the player that the Cardinals took eighth overall last year. He is my number one breakout player for the Cardinals. I, I, I picked him to be the defensive player of the year for the Arizona Cardinals, even more so than Buda Baker, because I, I think his numbers will be gaudy. I think he'll have tackles for loss, interceptions. He's already shown that ability during camp. So I would say Isaiah Simmons to me is the one player, if I had to pick any on the team, that I said, that guy's going to pop this year. He just, first of all, he didn't have an off season last year. They, the Cardinals hadn't had contact with him from the time they left the whiteboard at the combine in February until they got their hands on him. And I, by contact, I mean face-to-face contact in August in training camp last year. So that that's half a year without being able to have one-on-one live reps, mental and physical, with, with, with your number one pick, with the eighth overall pick in the draft. And on top of that, a player that you expect eventually to call your defense. So... His athleticism is all-worldly. I, I think he's going to have a, a monster year, and he's looked great in camp. He almost picked off a screen pass of Kyler Murray. Uh, was that today or yesterday? He's all over the place. He was all over the place during the red and white scrimmage. Um, so he's my offensive guy. Or excuse me, my defensive guy. I mean, offensively, I've been really impressed with Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. The offensive line in general is probably unit I'm most looking forward to watching outside of, of Kyler Murray and that may seem weird right they have AJ Green and they brought on Rondell Moore and got a couple backs that get people excited this will be the best Cardinal offensive line since most of us started covering following the team I think it's got a, got a chance to be the best offensive line they've had since they moved to Arizona they've got pro bowlers at left left tackle and center with no objection most people with common sense understand that DJ Humphreys is a franchise left tackle at this point, and I had my doubts, and, and he, he's the outlier. He had a really slow development coming out of Florida and really saw an uptick, especially when Cliff arrived. And so if there's anything that, that people want to commend Cliff for, his coaching staff has gotten the most, specifically Sean Coogler, out of DJ Humphreys. And then, of course, you know there's been articles recently about the fact that they're viewing the acquisition of Rodney Hudson very similar to how the Suns you know, were able to obtain Chris Paul uh, and court him to the desert. I don't think it's that extreme, 
because Chris Paul is the point guard. He touches the ball every play. But I do think it underscores the message that Rodney Hudson makes everybody better. He makes Justin Pugh better at left guard. He makes Josh Jones better at right guard. And then Kelvin Beecham, to me, is probably the most underappreciated player outside of Marcus Golden on the roster. When you've got guys like Larry Fitzgerald posting on Instagram that this is somebody that had an impact on him on and off the field last year. The fact that he went the large majority of his career playing left tackle, kicked over to right last year, was a plus player, signs a really a minimal two-year extension, and right now is dominating, close to dominating in camp. I, that, to me, they have maybe the best bookend tackles in the NFC, certainly in the NFC West. I would take their tackles. I would take it over Trent Williams and McGlinchey because McGlinchey has been doing this the last couple of years. I would take it over Dwayne Brown and whomever starts at right tackle for the Seahawks. Havenstein and Andre Whitworth are good. I, I just I like the Cardinals more. I think they're more athletic. So if the Cardinals get plus guard play, I mean, they're going to have one of their more productive rushing uh, statistical seasons since they've come to Arizona. Do you see Rondell Moore taking snaps from Kirk? Absolutely. Especially if Kirk, number one, fails to stay healthy. And number two, if he just disappears for weeks on end, like he did last year and the year before, I mean, Kirk will have these three to four week spells where he'll go off and he'll be one of the more productive receivers, not only on the team, but in the NFL. He had a you know two to three week stretch. He had like six touchdowns last year. And then over the course of the last seven or eight games, either teams made an adjustment or he just couldn't you know get himself mentally prepared to sustain that. He had like 250 yards over the second half of the season. That's not good enough. So I do think Rondell Moore is more physically gifted. But I also think Christian Kirk's skill set, when maximized, is really effective. He's probably, no doubt, their best deep route runner. And I think that hopefully the presence of Rondell will make Kirk better. And at the, if at the end of the season you have a hard decision to make whether or not you need to extend Kirk, that means he played well enough this year that you're at least having that conversation. The concern is if you, you don't extend him at all, it means that he was completely overtaken. They'd like to be able to keep both and have both be the compliments to Hopkins, assuming A.J. Green is on a one-year deal, and who knows how that's going to be. But I think they'll complement each other. I think that you don't want to put too much on Rondell's plate clearly already because they've already scaled it back. This is Christian Kirk's fourth year in Arizona. I mean, that's hard to think about. He was taken four years in the Rosen draft, right? So I, I would just caution everybody writing him off because every time you do, uh, he, he explodes like he did on, on Monday night against Dallas. And then when we all talk him up, he disappears. So this is my last you know, prediction of, hey, Christian Kirk's going to have 1,000 yards. I don't know if it'll go that far, but I think he will have career highs this year. Thoughts on Josh Jones? Well, I mean, I would ignore what you've read on the unofficial depth chart for the team. I understand that Justin Murray was, was the number one guard at you know that unofficial depth chart at right guard. Josh Jones was starting during the red of right practice. He was starting before then. Justin Murray and Brian, Brian Winters are dinged up. Winters, I think, could be out majority of the preseason. So there's questions on whether or not he's even going to make the team. Josh Jones, to me, can solidify himself as the right guard of the future, at least for this year, um, with a strong performance on Friday night. Because I don't think Justin Murray's going to play. Um, and I just think, listen, third-round pick, pedigree of potential top 40 pick coming into that draft, University of Houston product. I've liked what I've seen, but I also know the team's high on Justin Murray. They gave him that nice extension last year. It's a good place to be. Preferably, you would like the third-round pick to, to, beat, to beat out the former undrafted player. So I'll, um, I'll say he's the starter right now, and then Justin Murray is your first lineman off the bench like he was last year. 
But remember, it was Murray, not Jones, who came in and supplanted J.R. Sweezy when his production took a nosedive. So either Josh Jones or Justin Murray is going to be the sixth lineman, and then whomever doesn't win the job is is going to be, or whomever wins the job is going to be in the starting lineup. But we could see a scenario, Zach, next year, assuming they let Pew walk, who's in a contract year and took a reduced salary, that both of them, those are your starting guards next year. But Rodney Hudson also touches the ball play on, <laughs> also touches the ball every play on offense. Thank you for that, Blake. I thought he had a real question. All right. Lorler Brendan writes, do you think the reason Kyler hasn't appeared so sharp be their defense being better than expected. So I think this plays into the notion that a lot of people think Kyler's having a rough training camp. I don't subscribe to that. I think they're working on some new stuff. I think he's implementing new receivers. I think it's difficult when you're not going live, but you are. Uh Uh-oh, my stream went out. When you're not going live, but you are, to have a rhythm and consistency. When I've watched him, he looks everybody the Kyler Murray we've seen the last couple years but I also think he's he's forcing himself to go outside of his comfort zone to become a better intermediate passer and so there could be some hiccups early on but you'd rather have him work out the kinks now which is what training camp is for rather than to be over relying on the run game again this year and potentially get dinged up and not make it a full now 17 game season so that's my take on Kyler as far as the defense goes there is a better than de- decent chance that the Cardinal defense will be statistically better than the Cardinal offense. They were 13th overall last year defensively. They've added a supremely gifted inside linebacker prospect in Xavier Collins. I believe they've upgraded in their secondary. Fingers crossed if things work out on the defensive line, they've got a good amount of talent there that's led by J.J. Watt. And then now you've got Isaiah Simmons, Marcus Golden, and Chandler Jones. I mean, think about it. Up until the midseason last year, you didn't have any of those guys contributing for you. Now you've got all of them, right? So I think the defense could be one of the more underlined, underrated units in the NFL. Vance Joseph, third year. He's had his hands on most of these guys throughout the duration of their tenures in Arizona. I I think the defense is ready to take off. I think they're going to play well week one and surprise a lot of people. And I think it could be a top 10 unit. So I, I, I do think that Kyler has been given good looks during camp from a defense that is not going to embarrass themselves this year and by all accounts should be one of the more improved units in the NFL. All right, Jason Duvall86 asks, do you think Isabella has a chance to make the final roster? He should be traded or cut. So Jason, very forward with his opinion on Isabella. Um, I think it's better than a 50-50 chance that he's moved before the end of of training camp and the preseason and I think that because I think there's a better than good chance that Larry Fitzgerald's on the roster when the season starts that's just my gut feeling so then just by simple math if they keep five to six receivers it's going to be Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk in the slot there's two AJ Green and of course Hopkins on the outside there's four Fitz is number five and then that number six spot goes to the best player on special teams. That's not Andy Isabella. Keyshawn Johnson is a better special teams player. Keyshawn Johnson had a touchdown in camp today. I think Rondell Moore or one of maybe the rookie DBs is going to have an opportunity to return punts, maybe Eno Benjamin. So that's not a place where Andy Isabella can shine, uh, and he looked like a liability last year. I think they're going to showcase him. I think he has more value to other teams than somebody like Keyshawn, 
and I think they they try to find a trade partner, whether it be for a player, maybe somebody in, along the defensive line in the in the secondary that can provide depth, or just to throw away you know day three pick next year, and they can shed a little bit of a salary. But I just think, assuming that, and it's a caveat, that Moore and Kirk and these guys aren't seriously hurt by the end of camp, and I don't expect them to be. I think Isabella is is probably gone. Um, uh, Gill asks, after those two weeks of training camp, what's your major concern with the team? Well, if you would have asked me up until this week, I would have said tight end production, uh, which is kind of a good place to be. But right now, I would say uh, health along the defensive line. I think the defensive line, to me, when when healthy, is incredibly talented. Jordan Phillips, uh, of course, J.J. Watt are pro bowlers. J.J. Watt could be an all-pro and then I love the depth that they've accumulated at nose tackle with now Corey Peters and Richard Lawrence. Lucky Fotu is one of the biggest players on the team in terms of overall mass. Zach Allen had a good start to camp, but now every guy I just mentioned outside of Lucky Fotu is hurt. Every single one of them. So you're relying on guys like Michael Dogby, who has looked good at times. But I just think that if this team is going to bully its way back into the postseason and free up lanes for Simmons and Collins and Buda Baker and Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones to fly around and take angles, they have to free up some space. And unfortunately, that's that's not what happened last year. The Cardinals' defensive line, by all accounts, was a liability a year ago, and so you needed Hassan Reddick to put on a Superman cape on most Sundays and, and win one-on-one matchups, right? And so I, I think that this is a position you have to remember, and I put this out on Twitter earlier today. This is a position unit they've been desperate to upgrade and find consistency since they let Calais Campbell go. They had a, an egregious draft pick and misevaluation in Robert Kondichi, and, and Steve Keim owns that. They signed that kid from the Chargers that never played a snap for him, got arrested, I think, with a gun outside a strip club. I can't remember that guy's name. And so the last two or three drafts, dating back to Kyler's draft, really the 2019-2020 draft, they had their eye on two players. If they didn't go with Kyler, it was a strong chance that they were going to consider Quinn and Williams especially if they were able to trade down. They love Quentin Williams. And then last year, we have good intel that they were going to take Derrick Brown if Derrick Brown fell to them. They might have taken, I think I can definitively say they would have taken Derrick Brown over Isaiah Simmons, and I know that makes a lot of us physically ill. But Derrick looked fine last year, and he plays, and he's a great run defender for Carolina. Kime has been desperate for an SEC defensive lineman, and this year the, the class just it didn't warrant that. It was one of the worst defensive tackle classes in recent memory. So... I think if he's their GM running the show next year and they continue to be plagued by these these injuries up front on the defensive line and nobody emerges, right, I think they're going to take a first-round defensive tackle or a top 50. Because um, I just I don't think it's fair for the people who say, well, Lecky Foto and Rashad Lawrence can do it. They're developmental fourth-round picks. You're paying J.J. Watt and Jordan Phillips ungodly amounts of money. Jordan Phillips specifically has not been healthy since he went to Arizona. Sorry, my daughter's crying. All right. Blake asks, Kyler has looked good with Hopkins, Green, Kirk, Moore, and Max has only gotten one public practice with all four. I think that's a great point. And what Blake's just emphasizing here is the passing game last year outside of Hopkins was not good, right? They struggled to complete intermediate throws. And so what'd they do? They went out and added two legitimate playmakers in Green and Moore. And when they've been healthy at practice and producing, the Cardinals' offense looks much different. What we saw, if you were in in attendance during the red and white practice, 
is that the Arizona Cardinals offense looked very familiar. It was last year's offense, minus Dan Arnold. And so when people are frustrated because you're splitting out Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella, well, you tried that last year. Didn't get great results, right? And then you pulled Hopkins and Kirk about a series in. I mean, the Cardinals kept their number one DBs in there most of the time, and, and they were subbing in a bunch of C&D-level wideouts. So I, I think to Blake's point, just let's calm down until we get the full complement of weapons for week one at Tennessee. Tennessee's back seven is one of the worst units in the NFL. They don't have much of a pass rush. They're relying on Bud Dupree. I think just my feeling come week one, it's all going to work itself out. I Blake M 10 asks, have you heard anything about the backup QB job? Has Colt McCoy ran away with the job? Absolutely. And I think it was understood when they signed Colt McCoy, he was going to be the backup. Listen, Colt McCoy's won games in the NFL. He started almost full seasons for Cleveland, for Washington. He's looked good at camp. He's decisive. He's accurate with his throws. He's, of course, not the biggest guy. He doesn't have a huge arm. But the Cardinals would survive a game or two if they had to with Colt McCoy. They, they could win a game if they had to. Just like with Brett Hundley two years ago in Seattle when he had to lead them in the second half. Do they want to do that? No. But I think Colt and Kyler have a very unique relationship. Texas kids, Big 12 kids, Heisman Trophy winners. That was a perfect signing. And hopefully they can keep him around. I think the bigger question is, do you, do you keep Strevler on the active roster? I would lean no, because I don't think too many teams are going to put him on their active roster from the practice squad, especially after what we saw last year. Now, was it fair for Strevler to have to play the number one defense in Week 17 last year without a preseason? Of course not, right? And the Cardinals were under already, you know, at a position where they didn't have Fitz, they didn't have Christian Kirk, you know, it just wasn't a great position for him to be in. So I'm anxious to see what he can do in the in the in the preseason. But this is Colt McCoy's job. He's going to be on the roster uh, and has been, by all accounts, a, a great pro and a great signing. Trade partner for Keyshawn or Isabella? I think again, going back to the well, the New England connection with Isabella because he went to UMass because they've maximized players like that before undersized guys shifty that to me makes makes all of the sense in the world Keyshawn I'd be a little bit too concerned right now because what we're seeing with Trent Williams giving up on Keyshawn because he showed more promise and if you're not following along what's happening with Trent Sherfield former undrafted player that the Cardinals essentially groomed for a little while and had a, a pivotal role especially on special teams they allowed him to walk in the offseason. He signed a modest deal with San Francisco. And by all accounts, he's going to be their new Kendrick Bourne, if not better. Uh, so I would I would keep Keyshawn because he's looked just more the part. Looks like an NFL player coming out of Fresno State. Had a good rapport with Kyler Murray's rookie year. I don't I don't get why he didn't play more last year. And I, I would try to move Isabella. And I think New England is the logical trade partner. Darius Philon is the player I couldn't remember on the defensive line that they signed uh, from San Diego, now L.A., and he never played a snap for him. That was too bad. Zach Whipple asks, have you seen any adjustments from Cliff, or is it simply an upgrade of personnel? It's an upgrade of personnel and the offensive line. With Rodney Hudson, and I think they're going to get better guard play this year. I, f for those who weren't watching or following along with my tweets from Saturday, and Blake and I saw it firsthand, the horizontal game is still very much a thing. Um, but they're better equipped for it this year with players like Rondell. Christian Kirk can break tackles. This is never going to be an air raid offense in the sense that no risk it, no biscuit, deep deep throws, vertical passing game. Cliff likes a lot of the, the yak throws. The problem is when you're, you know, you, utilizing Fitz and, and Kirk, who, who really, that's not what their game's predicated on, especially Fitz at this course of his career. 
you're you're too reliant on somebody like Hopkins. And it got to the point where the Cardinals were playing backyard football last year. So I would just say that he'll make adjustments. Uh, we saw it from his first season with Kyler where they adjusted to just predominantly running team and they won games that way. So I don't think he's naive to the criticism, especially with keeping Hopkins on one side of the field. I just think it's not a wholesale new offense. I think there are significant upgrades that should help. Last question from Blake Murphy, my podcast co-host. Is just making the playoffs good enough for you or should it be for the fans? So would it would it be good enough? I think so because of where this team is right now. And I think that's what's so dejecting about last year and not making the postseason is you want to take a step in that direction. Now you don't have postseason experience to draw from. So I would just say that you get to the playoffs, you don't embarrass yourself. Maybe, you know, you even win a game, but you have that exposure for Kyler. Kyler understands I can get to the playoffs with this franchise, not being held back by this coaching staff. I think that's good enough. Um, now, if they miss the playoffs, then all bets are off. But I think getting to the playoffs in this division is something that should be celebrated and commended. All right, last question. Do you see them running more 12 personnel with Kyler under center? Uh, I, I think 12 and 10 are both in play. They are so limited at tight end, with all due respect to Max Williams from a receiving standpoint, but he is such an elite level blocker. And then whomever does not win the right guard position, I think is going to be able to be kind of a de facto blocking tight end. We saw Josh Jones do it last year. I think, yeah, I think we could see some under center from Kyler, especially when you get big physical James Conner in the backfield, maybe a single back alignment. And then I think we're going to see some 10 personnel just because, listen, they let Dan Arnold go. I thought that was a mistake. They're struggling now at that position. Zach Ertz, by all accounts, is not going to be allowed to, to move on. He's, he's an integral part from everything that I read out of Philadelphia. Um, I think they're going to go 10 personnel a lot. Uh, I did not foresee that. If you would have asked me in the spring, I, I would have said, no, they're going to find an upgraded tight end. They haven't. So when they're in 12, they're going to go heavy run, and then they're just going to skip over 11 and go to 10 and go four wide. And if you're able to get one-on-one coverage on somebody like Rondell Moore, and maybe split out Christian Kirk and get, you know, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield, who's a great receiver, that gives you some advantageous matchups. So I just, it's going to be interesting to see if that can, you know, is that sustainable over a 17-week season? We'll see. All right, this is the truly the last question. A, A-U is, if, asks, how has Kyler looked? He's looked good. Uh, he'll be fine. He's going to have more passing yards and passing touchdowns this year. I think he'll slow it down in terms of trying to run the football so he can, you know, sustain a 17-week season. But, I mean, better upgrades on the offensive line, better receivers, third year in a system that he's quote-unquote mastered from Kingsbury. Going to have a good year. Blake, last comment. They just signed a tight end in Harris, seven-year vet. Not tight end one, but he says maybe two or three. He'd have to beat out Daryl Daniels. But again, nobody that scares you at the end of the day. And who knows, maybe they can swing a midseason trade. All right, this has been the live Revenge of the Birds podcast open cards camp mailbag. Thank you so much for taking some time. Be sure to check out revengeofthebirds.com for all your up-to-date Arizona Cardinal news and coverage. Talk to me, chat, I am, DM on Twitter. Tweet me, Johnny Venerable. Of course, my podcast car partner is Blake Murphy 7 revengeofthebirds.com and the podcast coming at you very soon. Thanks all. Talk to you soon.